When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Light the Tower, your daily look around the world of sports with Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way. And Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe. On your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, the Horn. morning to you and welcome to light the tower on the horn 1049 1019 am 1260 we're live local and digital on the horn app and at hornfm.com my name is craig way glad to have you with us alongside jeff howe out today um his uh regular nine to five job you might say <laughs> horns 24 7 has a uh company-wide meeting so he's uh uh heavily engrossed in that so he'll be, he'll be back tomorrow and the two of us will be back tomorrow now jeff will be in studio like i am right now he'll be in studio tomorrow i will actually be on the show from our williamson county bureau so to speak uh, up there in the uh, domicile and the reason for that being is uh it helps me with all the packing and the equipment to take to set up in waco for the baseball broadcast tomorrow night it gives me uh, that extra our head start the jump uh to getting instead of going back through traffic from southwest austin up to the north side of georgetown i uh, had to help me uh, get out there a little quicker so that i can uh, get set up for the longhorn baseball game tomorrow night against baylor the series opener from the baylor ballpark in waco toward that end in talking uh, about longhorn la- athletics here's what we have on the program today first of all we, uh, coming up in a few minutes, uh, we're going to re-air our conversation with Longhorns head football coach Steve Sarkeesian. Of course, today's the final day of regular practice on the practice field of spring drills for Texas. Uh, and then Saturday is the annual Orange-White Spring game. We gave you some of the details yesterday. We have more details to give you uh, today. But uh, we had a, a conversation, and it happened pretty quickly, the turnaround. We, uh, that we had had to uh, change a time where we were going to visit with uh, Sark. So it, it popped on, and I know it caught uh, some people by warn- uh, without warning and, and uh, uh, didn't get a chance to uh, hear it or miss some of it. And, and it is always available on our podcast page at hornfm.com. But we did uh, get uh, some requests on that. So we are going to air it, re-air it here. It's just a few-minute conversation with Sark. We're going to have that for you. Now, at the bottom, of, uh, at the um, uh, the next thing we're going to do after that is 
We're going to bring you our Flex 30 update one hour earlier than we normally do. We're going to do that later. We're going to look at the, the UIL State Soccer Tournament, which is already underway, and we're going to hear from Ryan Ford, the head coach of the Conley Cougars boys team. You talk about a true Cinderella story and getting to state. So we're going to hear from him. That's coming up here. And uh, we're doing that because of what we'll have in the 11 o'clock hour. But more in the 10 o'clock hour, our Longhorn Notebook at the bottom of the hour, Keith Moreland, my broadcast partner on uh, road games for Longhorn Baseball, joins us. And uh, Keith will be uh, with me up there in Waco tomorrow night. And uh, throughout the course of the weekend, Keith will be on uh, our broadcast of Longhorn Baseball at Baylor. So Keith will join me not only to talk about Texas and even also Baylor, but the Big 12 at large and the national scene because Keith is a voting member uh, on uh, one of the national polls. And he is uh, additionally uh, also works a lot of national college baseball, as you know, especially when you get to the postseason. So Keith will join us uh, around the bottom of the hour. We do have Inconceivable. And a couple of really meaty items, too, with Inconceivable. Then, in the 11 o'clock hour, just past the top of the hour, uh, Gene Watson, the assistant general manager of the Kansas City Royals for Major League Scouting, joins us, our weekly conversation with Gino. I've got some interesting questions I want to ask him uh, with regard to the action clock, as they call it. Uh, that's the official term, but we all know it really is the, is the pitch clock. Uh, we'll we'll discuss that because it has accelerated the games. It's also brought about uh, some um, tete-a-tetes between uh, players and um, uh, umpires as well. So uh, there's that, and uh, we'll uh, we'll uh, visit with him. We'll also talk about the Tampa Bay Rays, who are trying to set a major league record, tie the major league record. Uh, for the most wins to start the season, 13-0, and 0, the 82 Braves, the 87 Brewers there, and they're trying for that against the Red Sox. That game uh, starts like just past noon today. I mentioned that uh, Jeff Howell is out today, but our producer is not. He's Cameron Parker, who's here. How you doing, Cam? Good morning, Craig. Hey, uh, and, and folks have already, and I, I tip my hat to them, guys like CB and some of the other guys who are already on it, you noticed it, even as I was walking in to tell me about uh, the news that A.J. Johnson, the Texas basketball uh, signee now, is planning to play in Australia instead. Yeah. And and then try to he, – he's going to do that at least for one year and then try to, by doing that, elevate his draft stock for the following year to go into the NBA draft. The roster construction for next year looks really iffy at this point, Craig, because you mentioned Arturo mm-hmm. Morris in the transfer portal. I mean, he could still technically come back. Dylan Mitchell mm-hmm. and Tyrus Hunter in the draft, but mm-hmm. they could still come back. No word on Dylan Sue yet, and mm-hmm. we still haven't heard anything about the transfer portal. Yep, yep. So haven't heard yet on that as they continue to work on that. We know Ron Holland's coming in, obviously. Uh, but there are – yeah, there's, there's – that's why this coaching staff is – is grinding on it and working on it. I know Rodney Terry was out there visiting with A.J. Johnson. He had already kind of made his decision he was going to do this and go to Australia and play his one year, but uh, Rodney went out to visit with him about that. Uh, But now uh, he and the uh, staff working to beef up the backcourt again, what with the losses there, and, of course, Rowan Brumball going into the transfer portal and as uh, as – uh, Cam mentioned, uh, you know, Arterio Morris entering uh, the transfer portal. We'll see uh, where he emerges out of the other side of that. Dylan Mitchell, uh, I think we'll see him 
uh, return. The, the the things that I've heard about uh, Dylan is while, as we all know, wildly athletic, athletically talented, lots of skill. Uh, he is not really appearing on draft boards. Now, neither is A.J. Johnson, and A.J.'s going to Australia to play. It doesn't mean that he might not wind up going somewhere else to play or trying to hook on with a with a G League team or whatever, but he's but there's absolutely nothing wrong with him and um, and uh, Tyrese Hunter getting that feedback just like Marcus Carr did last year. Uh, to uh, from the NBA people, not only on whether they would be drafted or might be signed as a free agent, but what parts of their game need work. And I think that's where uh, that's that's the kind of feedback that they'll get on that. So we'll see after all of that clears what this roster makeup looks looks like right now. So and then they're they're in the portal. They're they're looking and seeing what what might be the right fits and works for this program. So that's. That's where all of that is right now, and we'll obviously keep folks updated on that uh, as we heard it since that news came down right at the top of the hour there. So just to let everybody know, yes, A.J. Johnson now planning to play in Australia at least for a year and perhaps parlay that into being drafted uh, into the NBA the next year. All right, uh, as I mentioned, we wanted to re-air this for you. This was yesterday morning, and Steve Sarkeesian called in uh, to visit with us yesterday to talk about the progress of spring practice to this point as they head down the home stretch. And uh, I I also had to ask him, because the other thing we were doing on the Specs text line yesterday, and you guys were great, I mean great, with uh, your your feedback and your input yesterday on the text line about phrases or sayings that your father or your grandfather, or your uncle, or a friend, or your mom uh, would have said that it just stuck with you. Might not have been. You might not have agreed with it. Might still not agree with it to this day. But it's just something that stuck with you uh, all along. And uh, I thought about that when I was driving in. So, so yeah. There's uh, and so that we even asked him about that, and you'll hear that toward the end of the conversation. But this was the conversation we had yesterday with Longhorns head coach Steve Sarkeesian. I wanted to give you an opportunity, A, uh, just to give an overview on how you felt uh, so folks can hear it, uh, how everything has gone through the spring, and then B, we'll just talk about a, a little bit about what uh, your thoughts are about the spring game on Saturday. But first and foremost, the overview about how you felt things have gone. I think spring ball's gone really well. Uh, you know, we had a little bit of a different format this year, having gone three practices and then going on spring break. Uh, and then coming back for the remaining 12, um, you know, we practiced three days a week. Uh, I thought that uh, I thought that our guys really bought in in the in the winter conditioning program, and I think that that has shown up here in spring ball. I think our guys are look physically look really good. Um, I like the depth of where we're at. Um, you know, naturally this year, as you touched on, we're able to have the spring game. Part of that's in because we finally have some linemen. We finally have some depth. Um, we're able to. They really have a solid two deep, and quite frankly, we can really have a three deep in practice, uh, which is great. And so I love the kind of the projection of where that group is headed. Obviously, there's a lot of youth there. I haven't signed 12 players in the last two years on the offensive line. I love the competition that's happening at, at, at a number of positions right now. And uh, I think that that's healthy uh, for all players to know that there's a, you know, there's a guy, two or three at their position that is battling, that is pushing them to be the best that they can be. But I also think the competition is really healthy 
offense and defense. You know, that's that's always one of the hard parts as a coach when you when you when you're going through spring ball and you're going against yourself. You know, who do you want to win? How do you not? You know, who you want to perform better than others? At the end of the day, I think competition's healthy. Uh, we're trying to minimize the mental errors. We're trying to push these guys to to spaces that are uncomfortable so that they can get comfortable in those spaces. And uh, I, I think it's gone really, really well. And, uh, you know, we've got one more practice tomorrow, uh, and then we'll get after it here Saturday. But uh, all in all, it's been, it's been a good spring. Knock on wood, uh, you know, we, we've, we've been – the injury bug hasn't hit us, um, you know, too much in comparison to – I know how, how it's hit some other people. So uh, it's gone well. I'm proud of the guys. I'm proud of the work they put in. We are by no means a finished product, but I think we've set ourselves up for a, uh, for a really good summer and then getting ourselves ready for fall camp. Longhorns head football coach Steve Sarkeesian joining us here on Light the Tower on the Horn, Craigway, and Jeff Howe. Sark, I asked you this uh, during you know, the signing day in December uh, because you, you mentioned it when you first took the job. You wanted to establish a great developmental program at Texas, and I'd, I'd like to just kind of keep track of the markers in terms of where you're at. So as spring winds down, in terms of you know player development, and there's a lot of different areas that touches – are you are you, do you feel like you're on the track you want to be? Are you, are you a little bit ahead? Or do you feel like there's some more work to do? Where are you, where are you in terms of getting the player development aspect where you want it? Well, I feel good. You know, there's a lot of layers to player development, right? I think one is the actual play itself on the field. Our players developing into better players from year one to year two to year three and whatever stage they're in. Are they physically developing, right, in the weight room um, with, with, our, with our training table? Are we eating right, right? Are our bodies changing and developing that way? Um, I think there's academic development, right? Is everybody, you know, striving and, and working towards and, and earning their degree? Uh, and then I think there's just, you know, kind of overall personal development, right? Are you, are you becoming the man that, that we want you to be here at the University of Texas? And so I am really proud of the work that our guys have done. I'm proud of our staff and our organization. Um, you know, we invest a lot in our players. Uh, and in turn, I think we all can kind of see the byproduct of that. We see growth in a lot of different people, uh, a lot of different players. And a lot of times you see that growth from year one to year two from a maturity standpoint, whether that's physical or, or mental. Um, but also I, I see a lot of maturity in our team. I see a lot of development in our team and understanding the situations of the game. And we, we, we spend a lot of time on that because I think a lot of times those, those one or two plays at, at situational moments, that's the difference between winning and losing. And so uh, through it all, I, I am proud of the work that our, that our players have put in. Uh, I think there's a definite investment and commitment to, to trying to do it right and, and do it at a high level. But I'm also really proud of our staff and our organization uh, and obviously the support of our, of our administration to, to have the resources in place um, and then the commitment from all parties involved to, to put our players in position and invest in them so that they can develop. And so all in all, that, that, that piece um, uh, I am really proud of. And sometimes you, it's hard to always equate that you know, or quantify that, you know, sometimes with weight gains and different things. But you know, from from a coach's eye and haven't seen these guys now for heading into year three, I, I am really pleased with where we're at. Sark, toward that end, uh, you and I have talked about that C word a few times, uh, that old culture thing. But uh, I was really intrigued by some things that you said on that uh, Pivot podcast with Ryan Clark yesterday. There was some <clears throat> real talk and some things about you uh, setting the thermostat for the program. And I just want to give you an opportunity to, 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 to talk about how comfortable you 
feel with this group now as you begin your third season? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel great with, with this group. You know, we, we still have, you know, there's still a you know, fair amount of players on the team that essentially I inherited right when I got here, you know, whether it's the Trevondre Sweats or the, the Jordan Whittingtons or uh, the Vernon Broughtons, the Alfred Collins, there's still, there's still a handful of those guys. And then there's still a, a, a group of guys that were signed in December uh, prior to me getting hired in January that, that I didn't get a chance to really recruit, but they have been with us since day one when they arrived. And now we've got two recruiting cycles of our own, uh, of, of a group of players. But I, I think at the end of the day, um, everybody in, in our organization understands the standard here, understands the, the, the work ethic needed, understands our core values. Uh, I think you hear that the conversation is a lot more natural, not just coming from me and the coaches, but amongst the players, uh, amongst, you know, when somebody new comes on board, um, I think the conversation with that new person doesn't always have to come from us, but it can come from other players, um, graduate assistants, trainers, you know, strength staff. Uh, and so in the end, I, I feel very comfortable to your point about the temperature in our building. I think, I think we're striving and working towards being a championship caliber football team. And, you know, sometimes some people can hit that stride sooner than others. Um, you know, we just believe in our process of what we need to do. And I, I do, I feel really comfortable. I feel great about this team because uh, when I look at the way we look, I'm excited about that. You know, I think that we've recruited well. I think the guys that have been here have developed their bodies and, and look tremendous. Um, but, but beyond that, I like just kind of the culture that we've, that we've developed. And I think this is a very tight knit building that we're in. Uh, we're one that uh, is upbeat, is positive, but is relationship based. And I, I don't think that, anybody in our organization ever feels uncomfortable coming to talk to me about whatever it is. And that's always what I'd hoped I could, I could, I could develop here and, and instill here. And that, that to me as a coach, that's the beauty of it. Cause when you're connected that way on a personal level, man, that, that's a sure heck of a lot easier to go take the field and want to, and want to compete with one another and fight for one another uh, for a common goal of, of winning a championship. Sark, when you and Coach Millie are, are breaking down quarterbacks, I know you've been asked a ton about quarterbacks this spring, but when you break down the practice film and the scrimmage film and, and look at really those top three guys with Quinn and, and Malik and Arch, how much of it is judging those guys based on kind of the baseline stuff, the the non-negotiables, if you will, you guys have for the quarterback position? And then how much of it do you have to look at and say, okay, Quinn is on a different you know, trajectory because of experience than Malik, who because he's been here a little bit longer is on a different uh, a different time clock, if you will, than, than Arch is? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that those are all fair you know, assessments because the reality of it is, Right. We, we do have non-negotiables here, whether that's, you know, work ethic, whether that's, uh, you know, quarterbacks aren't on any list here at the University of Texas, whether that's an academic list, whether that's uh, an off-the-field issue, wh- whatever that is. I mean, that, there's a standard here in which the quarterback sets the tone, and, and we hold all quarterbacks to that standard. But there's also a driving force from providing energy, uh, a level of intensity, a level of of, of just the, their work ethic in which they go to practice, the work ethic that they put in off the field to prepare for practice, mentally, physically, whatever that looks like. But then you have to look at, okay, where are they? What is their, what is their knowledge base of what we're trying to do? And are they able to execute the things at the stage of where they're at in the program? 
And then how quickly can they elevate themselves to the next step and the next step and the next step? And that, that's, that's really what we look at. And, you know, decision-making comes into those things. Um, ability, a lot of, you know, one of the things I, I assess a lot is can they, can they not make a bad play worse? And when we use the adage, don't turn a fender bender into fatalities, bad things happen in football. Guys miss blocks. Uh, guys run the wrong routes. Um, we don't, you know, th- that's going to happen. It's okay to throw the ball away. They might, they might know a screen is coming, throw the ball away, not throwing it to a defensive lineman because those can be catastrophic errors. And the, the guys that can do that, that's a positive sign because those are winning plays as well. It's as important as it is to throw that post route for a touchdown. It's equally as important not to force a ball into coverage when you're backed up and all of a sudden you throw a pick six. And so uh, we evaluate a lot of those things. We also evaluate their ability to process what we are teaching them and then go out and when that that opportunity presents itself again, not make the same mistakes twice. And then can they learn from others, right? Can they learn when the, when the other quarterback's getting coached on something, can they learn from that? And so when they're put in that situation that, that, that another guy was, how do they react to it? So there's a lot of levels to this thing. Um, and in the end, you know, I, I think the quarterback, it's, it's really critical, right? He, he instills belief in the entire organization. He instills belief into all 100,000 people in DKR on Saturday afternoons. You know, they, that's, that's what they do. That, that's why it's the most important position in sports. And so, um, you know, who can do that? Who can inspire? Who can instill belief but still yet play at a high level and move the chains and, and put points on the board and, and do all those types of things? Which brings us to the spring game, Sark. I wanted to give you an opportunity just to tell fans a little bit about, you know, uh, what can they expect on Saturday coming in? I, I think it's really cool. Obviously, there's going to be an autograph session for them uh, with, with players at 930. But uh, when you get into uh, uh, the, the spring drills, the spring game, the orange, white, what can fans expect to see on Saturday afternoon? Yeah, we're, we're really excited about Saturday. Um, you know, two years ago, we, we were able to play a game from a roster management uh, standpoint. Last year, we weren't as fortunate, um, just with the limitations on the offensive line, uh, most notably. Uh, but this year, we're able to do it again. So we're, we are going to have an autograph signing actually at 9 a.m., Craig, on Bevo Boulevard. And uh, looking forward to the fans being out and interacting with them. Uh, getting around that, and then we'll we'll get the players, you know, get them eating breakfast and and getting in meetings and getting themselves ready to go, and then we'll we'll kick the ball off at about one o'clock. Um, it'll be an orange and white game. Um, you know, obviously the, the quarterbacks won't be live, um, and some of the special teams we're going to execute the special teams, but those sessions won't be live. And then we're going to go play ball, and we're going to allow a, a, a lot of players to play. Um, and again, it's as much for the fans to see our players, but for some of our players, it's performing in front of in front of fans. For for some of our new players, this will be the most people they've played in front of in their lives. And so, getting them acclimated to some of that coming out of the tunnel, um, you know, there's always there's always conditions that can show up. It's going to be hotter Saturday than it's been all spring. And so, how do we respond to that? And so, there's a lot of things that I still the evaluation continues for me. But at the end of the day, I want our players to go out and have fun. They've worked really hard all winter. Uh, they've worked hard. It will end up being through 14 practices by Saturday. Their fans will get a chance. Their, their families will get a chance to kind of come see a little bit of the finished product of where they're at to this stage of, of the year. 
Uh, and then when we get done with that with that spring game, then we'll get back in the lab in the summer and in fall camp and get ourselves ready for uh, for September. All right, uh, Sark, we'll let you go with this. We we had a question for the for for the listeners this morning. Uh, if there was a one phrase or a mantra or a motto, it didn't even have to be. It could just be a phrase. Uh, you know that that your father or mom or uncle or or grandfather something that somebody said to you to just stuck with you. I have a feeling we may already have the answer when you said don't turn a fender bender into a fatality with regard to your quarterbacks. But was there something that 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 uh, someone uh, said to you a phrase that's just kind of stuck with you all these years? Wow. You know, I'm I'm a big I'm big into reading. I'm big into the watching podcasts. I'm I'm big into all this kind of stuff. And so, I've, I don't, you haven't been in my office lately, Craig, but I've got a whole wall of things that um, matter to me, right? And things that 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 stick with me that I hold on to. Um, but I, I think I think one that that really stands out to me is bring the best version of you today. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever that is, what is that best version of you today? Bring that, right? That's all we're asking of. We're, we're not asking for superhuman efforts. What, what, whatever, your, whatever your job is, whatever your role is in, in an organization or in your family or in your household or in the relationship that you're in, what's the best version of you look like? And can you bring that day in and day out? Right, and that that's something that that I've always held on to. But I got all sorts of stuff, man, that uh, <laughs> that really matter to me that I hold on to that I think you know, ultimately, um, hopefully shape me that in turn is hopefully shaping our organization. Because I do believe this teams take on the personality of their head coach. And the more I can instill truly who I am, I think that the more natural it's going to be kind of, you know, culturally and in the personality of our team come the fall. And there it is. That was our conversation uh, yesterday morning. Uh, with Longhorns head football coach Steve Sarkeesian. And again, just to refresh you on this, the autograph thing will start at 9 o'clock on Saturday morning, 9 and 9.30, down toward the south end uh, of Bevo Boulevard. And they're going to provide posters, but they ask that you do not bring personal items for autographing. So they'll have posters provided on that. And then uh, we'll give you some other details as we go forward uh, on this because it's going to be a full-on Bevo Boulevard um uh, presentation, if you will, and our coverage will begin at eleven o'clock uh, tomorrow uh, on Saturday morning from Bevo Boulevard, and of course to kick off just past one o'clock uh, tomorrow. So uh, we'll give you some more details on that coming up. Now, before we go to the break, and before we uh, talk baseball with Keith Moreland, I do want to get to our Flex Thirty update an hour earlier this uh, this. Uh, Thursday. ATX for the best high school sports coverage. Listen to the horn and go to flxatx.com. Flex 30 is brought to you by Brain Vault. Brain Vault is a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion. Visit brainvault.com and join the movement. All right, the UIL State Soccer Tournament is underway. There were uh, four games played yesterday two girls, two boys. And on the girls' side, in 4A, Salina shut out Bernie, 2-0. And Stephenville beat Lumberton, 4-0. On the boys' side, Lumberton also lost. Palestine edged them 3-2. And Hidalgo Early College shut out San Elizario, 1-0 on that. Now, that's the 4A. 
today, girls 5A starting at 11 o'clock this morning, Georgetown and Frisco. I still think it's pretty cool, Cam, that here's Georgetown getting a chance to play on the home turf in a state tournament game. Yeah, how about that? That's rare. Uh, but they but they are doing it. Georgetown against Frisco. Uh, they're in one of the 5A semifinals. And then Salina will play Stephenville in the 4A state championship game today uh, at 2.30. Then later today, you have the other – you have the uh, boys' 5A semifinals. El Paso Bel Air against Mission Sherryland. And then Frisco Lone Star against Pflugerville Conley. That's right. The Conley Cougars, what a big surprise of it. Was it 14-11-3 going in? Just a, uh, a big Cinderella story. And turning it on late, and like you said, pulled some big-time upsets along the way. Yeah, it's been a heck of a ride for them. And they look, they look really dominant the last few weeks, Greg. Well, their head coach, Ryan Ford, and and our thanks to uh, our, our good friend and colleague, Roger Wallace of KXN, sent me this, this piece of sound with uh, Ryan Ford, their head coach, talking about how they've had this real familial uh, feel to the team. And it's an extension of a family of the Connolly Cougar boys soccer program. Well, the team is really like a family. Uh, the 2016 team that went, there were a couple of older brothers of the players that we have now. A number of these players are cousins and related and grown up playing. Um, it's really like a family and it shows on the field. They really understand what each other is trying to do and they play like a team. We have some ing- incredible individuals, but the group, the way that they play together um, because they're so close and um, they, a lot of them played together last year too. It, it's really been fun to watch. Yeah. So there it is. Um, one of the uh, young men, Mauricio Orozco, sophomore midfielder. His brother played on the 2016 uh, state tournament team. So they're pretty excited about that, and with good reason on that. Uh, one other, there is a game going on right now, and it's in the 5A girls semifinals, Smithson Valley and Grapevine, and they're in the 40th minutes. Uh, of of play there, and it is uh, Smithson up one nothing. So there it is in a five uh, uh, A girls state semifinal game going on. All right, so there it is. There's your flex thirty update. Up next, we'll uh, visit with Keith Moreland. We'll talk some uh, Longhorn baseball, Big Twelve baseball, and on the national scene, it'll be our Longhorn notebook. That's next with Light the Tower on the Horn one zero four nine one zero one nine AM twelve sixty. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Like the Tower with Craig Way and Jeff Howe. This is Like the Tower on the Horn. Craig Way with you. Jeff Howe will be back in tomorrow. And uh, tomorrow, Texas Longhorns open up another Big 12 Conference baseball series. This one on the road, which brings us to today's Longhorn Notebook. Longhorn Notebook. And uh, they'll be in Waco to take on uh, the Baylor Bears at the Baylor Ballpark in Waco. Pleased, as always, uh, to be joined uh, by my broadcast uh, partner on a lot of the Longhorn Baseball Road Games. Uh, Of course, uh, the lifetime Longhorn and College Baseball Hall of Famer and... uh, 
the uh, play-by-play voice on Longhorn Network of the telecast of Home Texas Games, Keith Moreland, who joins us now. Um, you, you've spent a lot of time in Waco over the past oh, few my years. God. Yeah. <laughs> Sequestered, I think, is the word I use. I I, I was telling Keith uh, after the game uh, on Tuesday night, uh, the team hotel where the team is going to be staying, and I I asked, I, and I said it in an inquisitive manner, like like uh, they're staying at this this particular hotel, and I was like, it, and almost in a way of saying, do you know where it is? And he just looked at me plainly and said. I think you said, I think I spent two weeks in there or something like that. Oh, yeah. Hey, working, it is so much fun, the Southwest Little League, uh, but uh, uh, the, the, that particular hotel is where the, the, that we stay, the, everybody that's working the broadcast at the Southwest Little League. But it, it's always interesting to go to Waco because it, it, uh, there's so many uh, weird things have happened over the years there and, 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 and different things uh, to Longhorn Baseball, but uh, – it should be an interesting weekend, no, no doubt about it. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 hey, let me ask you while we're on the subject of the Little League, the Southwest Little League, uh, because I know obviously you would uh, you were in on that and then, of course, had the medical issue and, and, and couldn't take part. What's what's the best part about all that, about uh, about working that Southwest Little League there in Waco? Oh, I, 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 think it, I think it's just the pure joy that you see some of these guys it, – it, some of these young folks that, that you know, girls and boys, because we've had you know, Ella Burson was just fantastic there a couple of years ago. She was a catcher for from Abilene, uh, Wiley Little League, and it, it is just so much fun to see their joy and, and to have some success. You you don't want to feature the 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 negativity of it, that, you know, because you know there's a winner and a loser in every sporting event, but it's just to see some of the joy of somebody doing something special uh you know maybe getting a big hit they, they hadn't had a lot of hits and they get a big hit in a certain situation it's just a whole lot of fun to see the the, the joy from the kids and uh it's really well done it's well put together it's it's well managed uh, uh it, it is something that uh, if you haven't seen it you know this summer the first week of august again you ought to drive up and just spend one day at the ballpark there's a doubleheader every evening it's quite warm probably around 100 degrees but uh, it, it's a, a unique experience, to say the least. Uh, visiting with Keith Moreland, and uh, and uh, we'll shift now, obviously, to a Longhorn baseball to get ready to take on Baylor. But uh, let's talk about this Texas team first. You and I, on Monday night, were in San Marcos, and we saw Kobe Minchie uh, come out and pitch. And, and there's a decent chance, because we saw Kobe work an inning of scoreless relief the prior Tuesday against the Air Force Academy. There's a decent chance, even if, even if, the uh, rain out of Thursday against Kansas State had not necessitated playing five consecutive days, five ball games in five days. We probably would have seen some younger guys anyway by the mere fact that there were five games played, even if it was going to be five games in six days, wouldn't it? So, I, that, I mean, David Pierce and, and, and Woody Williams, they knew they were going to have to get some young guys out there, and it just kind of became even more compressed because of the rain out. Well, yeah, and, and you you know this, and for folks out there, uh, collegiate pitchers are so oriented around working on a seven-day rotation. They have a real set pattern. Most of the time, they throw on their particular day, especially starting pitchers. They'll throw their day. The next day is, is a day of running, 
uh, getting a good sweat together, get their blood flowing really good. The next day they'll play long toss. The third day they may throw off a mound, spin some breaking balls. The fourth day it's, again, another day of, 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 of running. So they get into this real uh, pattern, uh, what you do. And then all of a sudden you disrupt that by throwing more games, throwing more times in, different start dates. And when that happens, you're going to have to use some different people. That's why you carry, you know, 22 people or 20, 19 to 22 people on your roster as pitchers of your 35 that you can have on your roster. There's, there's just a, you got to carry that many just to be able to spread it out. And so some guys don't get the opportunity to throw as much, but they're going to be asked to come on. And, and I thought uh, uh, Minchie has proved himself now in his two appearances that he's going to get the ball again. I mean, I don't think there's a doubt about that. Yeah, I, you know, um, for folks who didn't know, and, and of course his story is pretty interesting, the fact that he was homeschooled and his dad uh, had a cup, of, a cup of coffee in the bigs and then, of course, played a lot uh, in the Pacific Rim, uh, that sort of thing. But his dad was from uh, the greater Austin area, graduate of Pflugerville High and all of that, all of that sort of stuff. Um, one thing that David told us was he said, we didn't just – sit around and, and say, oh, let's get him. Let's just run him out there because we're running low on pitchers. It kind of reminds me of the old Life cereal commercial. Let's get Mikey. He won't eat it. He hates everything. And then he, he goes out and eats the bowl of cereal. That kind of thing. I mean, the work, and, and for folks that don't understand this, and you have a unique perspective on this, Keith, folks that don't understand or don't know about, and that's fair, don't know about what a college baseball program, in specific this one does, on Wednesdays when they don't have a game. And, and I want to give you a chance to kind of describe a little bit, you know, because Wednesdays are really big in terms of the guys that you aren't seeing out there every single day. I mean, it might not be the, as big to say a Dylan Campbell or, or you know, somebody like that uh, as it is, say, a younger guy who doesn't get much opportunity. But those Wednesdays are pretty big to the guys who aren't playing an awful lot or pitching an awful lot, aren't they? Oh, absolutely. Mondays is, is a day off. The NCAA requires a, a one day out of seven, whatever your scheduled work week. You, you know, most, most teams start their work week on a Sunday. Uh, so they give Monday off, Tuesday at, at cross college baseball. Uh, most weeks, I would say 90% of the weeks of a college baseball season, there's a game. So that's just a regular game. Then Wednesday is the day where you use the pitchers that you haven't used over the course of last weekend and, and on Tuesday, they get to play in a game. So that's usually an inter-squad game, and you only get three hours for a workout. So uh, you're usually going to have two or three or four guys that are going to go 50 to 70 pitches on that day, and that's their chance to work. And that's their chance for the, the hitters uh, that haven't seen a lot of live pitching and have been in the games. They get to play a whole lot in, in those games. So uh, Wednesday is a, a full work day of, of scrimmaging, of live pitching, live baseball, it's almost like a game day atmosphere, only the best you can put that. And then on Thursdays is usually your day when you're working on your bunt drills. The PFP, it's called pitcher's fielding practice. Those are the days that are, are, are that are that you work on things as a coach, uh, installing different uh, sign signals. That's a day of work. But Wednesday is the is the one day where the guys get that opportunity and. Uh, sometimes guys can get a chance to get in the lineup. You see Max Blue gets in every once in a while in the lineup to start as a DH. That's because he's, he's had a good Wednesday. He's coming along. You see what he is as a hitter. And uh, it's, 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 it's that their opportunity to impress the staff and the head coach and say, hey, I, I think that this guy could help us in our lineup. So it is, it is a huge day for players who are not, uh, not Eric Kennedy. 
or you know that kind yeah. of thing. There or Garrett Gilmet, those kind of guys. It's a huge day for those guys. By the way, you you brought up Garrett Gilmet. How how um, instructive and helpful has it been for Ryland Galvan to be able to catch? once or twice a week there, uh, usually maybe on the Saturday game and then uh, maybe on the midweek game or something like that, to, to give Garrett a little bit of rest because we always talk about how injuries can can really slow down a catcher, and, and we know that Silas Ardwan really had to fight through a lot of it last year to get all the way through the season. Yeah, and, and, and the other thing, you want to keep their legs intact. This is a guy that's key to the offense, hitting in your fourth spot in your order. You've got to you've got to give him some days off. I mean, you you just got to give him the opportunity to rest his legs because uh, there's so much involved uh, behind the plate. And and oh by the way, folks, if you haven't seen Rylan Galvan, uh, the only guy that I can picture that is from the right side that's had as much power as he's going to have before his career is over is just left here and, and he won the Golden Spikes Award and the Dick Hauser Award. <laughs> his name's Ivan Melendez. This guy's got tremendous power. Uh, he's still learning how to hit. He's still got a lot of growing up to do, but uh, he's going to be a special player before he leaves this university. Let's talk about Baylor. We both know Mitch Thompson pretty well, and uh, for years on Steve Smith's staff, and then after that staff was dismissed, he went to uh, across town to the Highlands over to McLennan, won a national championship at the JUCO level, and now is back, his first year back. I mean, he, he, he clearly knew it was going to be a rebuilding process, and it really looked like that. Early on, they had what they had uh, two games against Duke, where they gave up a twenty burger and one against ten, and all that. And but now it looks like they've kind of found their footing a little bit, at least in terms of the last uh, two to three weeks. Yeah, well, two things that jump off the page just doing my preliminary studying. They're catching the ball better, and it, it, people get so spoiled, Longhorn fans, to, to look at the University of Texas and what they do defensively. Uh, they've just been so good for so long. Nobody pays much attention to that. Well, early in the year, Baylor was really having trouble struggling catching it. I mean, uh, catching and throwing it, and you give teams, you got to get 27 outs in a game, and if you give them, you have to get 31 or 32, you're going to lose most of the time. So uh, they are catching the ball better. Uh, they haven't given up as many free passes. The, the, the two things that I've looked at, they're, they're uh, runners per inning whip. It's called uh, uh, as, as a staff. Uh, has improved here in the second half of the season. It's gone down nearly a half of, uh, a runner of inning. So if you have give up two base runners an inning, you have a 2.0 whip. If you give up uh, you know one per inning, you have a one whip, and that is fantastic. But they have lowered that down uh, from what was 1.75 to now about 1.4. So that that's a big d- difference uh, over the course of nine innings. That means there's four less base runners in nine innings. That means you give up less runs. So. Those are the two things that they're catching it better. They're allowing less free passes, less less runners. And then the last thing is it, it, every team, that ballpark is built so much for a southerly breeze. And, you know, it, it, you get into that ballpark and it blows out of the south, uh, you've got to put some runs on the board, and they found some way to produce some runs. So that's why they're playing better baseball than they were, let's say, back in the early part of, of February and uh, or middle February and early March. In your mind, uh, because of the heavy load of the five games in five days, uh, do you think it affects what David Pierce and Woody Williams want to do with that TBA third starter on Sunday? We obviously know Lucas Gordon will go tomorrow night, and, and I would imagine uh, probably uh, – uh, we'll see Travis Staley on Saturday. But with regard to the Sunday thing, is that still going to have to be an evaluative tool coming off of what they did this week to see how the guys bounce back? 
you know, I, 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 you know, I think Coach Pierce is going to put it in his TWA, but I think in, in my mind, I think that Charlie Hurley has, 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 has worked himself into that role, and that's where we're going to see him uh, from here, here out. Uh, you know, I don't think that starting pitching over the weekend is set in stone other than Friday night right now. I, I, I just think that there's nobody really jumped up there and grabbed that role. We got so spoiled last year, really over the last couple of years, where you knew you were going to have Pete Hansen, you knew you were going to have Ty, Ty Madden, you, you knew you were going to have Tristan Stevens and, and those guys. Well, you know, the only guy that you know right now in this club, and even though we're past the halfway part, is, is Lucas Gordon. After that, it, you know, there hasn't been anybody, uh, and I'm not getting on anybody, but there hasn't been anybody jump up and grab that spot and just say, hey, you know, I'm the number two starter on this club, and it just hasn't happened yet. Uh, if I ask you right now, right now on April 13th, who the best college baseball team in the country is, your answer is? Wake Forest. Wow. How about that? I, I think they have uh, I think they have put three or four things together here, especially as late, and people do not realize, uh, you know, you look at power and power conferences, everybody talks about the SEC and, oh, my God. Gosh, SEC is good, but the ACC is is right there. I mean, you, 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 I can go through schools and people don't go to Boston College. You don't want to play them right now. Uh, you, Virginia Tech, you don't especially you don't want to play them. NC right State, uh, NC State, you don't want to play them. Miami is playing good ball. Florida State just beat, uh, uh, just pushed Florida all the way to the end on Tuesday night there. So, uh, I just I just think Wake Forest, in, in my opinion, right now. Uh, you know, there is, and there's not much separation between one and two between LSU and Wake, Wake Forest, but uh, both of them are going to be national seeds. Both of them are going to be one, two national seeds. Mm, okay. Hey, uh, safe uh, travel rolling up by 35. We'll see you at the ballpark tomorrow. Sounds good. Uh, I will see you at the Baylor ballpark. There it is. All right. Keith Moreland, uh, he'll join me tomorrow night on the call, Texas against Baylor. Uh, he'll work with our friend Tom Barfield on Saturday. Tom will call the game on Saturday. I'll be back here with Roger and with Will Matthews for the spring football game, and then Keith and I will bring you Sunday's game as well. Texas against Baylor this weekend. When we come back, we have Inconceivable here. When we continue with Light the Tower on the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Inconceivable. 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 You keep using the horn. I don't think it means what you think it means. Ah, several items on tap for uh, Inconceivable. First of all, it has been established on this program that our producer Cameron Parker is a fan of the Golden Arches. Uh, of course. Your your favorite meal again? McDouble, mayo, ketchup, cheese only. Uh, give me a milkshake and then some fries. What flavor milkshake? If they have the uh, the mint one in, which is only, I think, around St. Patrick's Day, yeah, I forget right. what they call it. Um, usually I just go with uh, vanilla. Okay. Pretty okay. simple. All right. Um, I want to give you the heads up on this because you, when mm. you, you just get it, you normally get a McDouble, which for folks who don't know the difference between. Um, McDouble and a double cheeseburger because I did it myself. I went and bought one of each one time just to see what the difference is. You know what the difference is? Isn't the amount of cheese put on one the... extra slice yeah. of cheese? That's because it's two hamburger patties, but it's just one slice of cheese on the McDouble. It's two on the double cheeseburger, mm, mm. and it's like whatever forty cents more or something like that. But wow. anyway, uh, but um, you might want to uh, be aware of this. 
McDonald's has been test marketing a new burger in England, oh. in the United Kingdom. Now, of course, they have their you know iconic offerings, the Big Mac and the Quarter Pounder, Quarter Pounder over cheese, of course. A new limited edition McDonald's burger launched in the United Kingdom last month not only is capturing significant intention, uh, attention, but it's also converting many fans who are saying it's the best burger McDonald's has ever made. Whoa. Ever. It's called, now we know this term is kind of loosely tossed around with fast food burger places. The word steakhouse. Okay? Mm-hmm. This is called a steakhouse stack burger. Okay? Uh, it was just launched two weeks ago. Limited time menu item in the United Kingdom and Ireland. But what it is, is it is a test market to see how well it will go over as to whether they bring it to the U.S. So here's the deal. It's two beef patties. Okay. It's cheddar cheese. Mm. It is crispy onions, mm. red onions, oh. lettuce, and a creamy peppercorn sauce inside a toasted bun. Wow. So... Uh, so it's listed for a suggested price of uh, five pounds thirty nine pence, I guess it is, which is the equivalent of six dollars seventy two cents in American dollars, which is pretty close to what you're paying for a Big Mac or a quarter pound. Yeah, aren't they like five ninety nine? I think yeah, probably yeah, something like that. Uh, fans have been flooding on Twitter saying best burger they've ever produced, taste unreal for a fast food burger. Best burger ever to come out of McDonald's. So I'm just well, saying. High praise, Craig. Uh, we we do the fast food update on here just to let let folks know that. Um, I don't want to I don't want to paint you into a corner on this. Uh, and 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 as I ask you this question, it has nothing to do with Austin Radio Network in our building. But I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. Have you ever? Been less than completely truthful. Like, say, on a job interview or something when you're trying to get a job. Ever. In any way, shape, or form. I don't think so. Okay. That's good. And I believe you. I know how you, you are. Um, <laughs> there was someone who uh, uh, recently <laughs> got a job and um, was on their way, or supposedly on their way in, they were going to get in... Uh, part of the onboarding, as they say, process. Mm-hmm. And the poster um, came from the employee with a car crash. And it said, it won't be until this afternoon or early morning tomorrow. I was rear-ended on my way in. Not sure how much more could go wrong. Just spoke to HR. I'm waiting on AAA, and the police just got here. And there's a there's a good smashed-up picture wow. of a car. So the boss said, I'm so sorry, We'll see you when you get here. Uh, then after that, after two months of, it said, jumping through hoops, background checks, and a few other incidents, our new employee was meant to start this morning. The rest is history. Oh. What they did was, they did some checking around and found out what the employee did was, the employee was not truthful about the car crash. Yes, there was definitely a car crash. But it was a common car crash photo mm. on the internet. Why are you putting a photo there of a common car crash photo? There's one on Shutterstock, uh, Adobe, RD.com, a law firm, <laughs> a car firm. 
And then somebody else said, HR informed, or the person said, HR informed me that I was no longer offered the position. I'm sorry you doubted me, and I wish you all the best. My sincere apologies. And I was truthful regardless of what you may think. And, and then there were reactions. Somebody said, I always love the line, I'm sorry you doubted me. Such an underhanded way to push off any accountability. Yep. Uh, they said someone was suspicious or they never would have done the image search. Not sure why someone would play this game on their first day. Somebody else, why include a photo? So they said, I guess they were suspicious because the picture was badly cropped. Uh, so said, as a hiring manager, this makes me cringe. I've been lied to more times than I can recall. I don't let it ruin my days anymore, though. <laughs> so, yeah. If you're going to use an image, Craig, from Google people, you can literally take that image, put it back in the Google, and it will show up whether or not it's been used before. Yeah. Yeah. So you learn that in, like, middle school when you're putting together your essays, and the teacher's like, hey, we know when you cheat. It's thank like, you. Do you? I'm like, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and, and I'm good there. Okay. A um, couple of things here. Uh, apparently, a fireball, a large fireball from outer space landed in the United States last week. Was it in the Horn Studio bathroom? Uh, that's an almost daily occurrence, unfortunately, okay. as, as we've all uh, stumbled into the bathroom and then quickly turned and walked right out because somebody was in there having a really difficult day. That's all I'm saying about that. <laughs> However... No, this was about a fireball that actually landed in the state of Maine. Oh. Okay? And now, here's the key. There's a reward out to find it. Um, so, as the story is, meteorite hunters get ready. A museum in Maine is offering $25,000 for the remains of a space rock that streaked across the sky last week before landing near the border of the United States and Canada. But it did. They said they could confirm that it landed in the U.S. in Maine. Fireball was visible in broad daylight, created a sonic boom detected by radar, and NASA's Astro Materials Research and Exploration Science Lab, that's Ares Lab, to calculate the strewn field where fragments of the meteor might be found near Calais, Maine. Uh, but the head of the meteorite division said he was keen to study any fragments of the meteorite could contain valuable information about the solar system. It's a $25,000 reward for the first meteorite piece that weighs at least 2.2 uh, pounds or more. But he said the museum would be willing to pay for any specimen, irrespective of its size. So if you're planning to go up to Maine, yeah, you can check it out and see if there's something there. And finally, if you're going up to Maine uh, and you decide to go up through or come back through New York City, you need to be aware of this. The city of New York. You know, they have a lot of government things, and they have a lot of issues in New York, as we know. So they're trying to deal with one of them. You know, one, one of the big issues they have is rats. Oh, yeah. And we've all seen that, that, that great viral video, the rat hauling off the slice of cheese pizza or whatever. Well, the city is being proactive about this now. They've hired their first ever rat czar. Rat czar. That's right. You know, you've heard of the drug czars mm -hmm. and all this. Other no, it's a rat czar. And her name is Kathleen Conradi. She's been hired as the city's director of rodent mitigation. She'll coordinate city agencies such as the Departments of Health and Mental Hygiene, Parks and Rec, and Sanitation and find, quote, innovative ways to cut off rats' food sources and use new technologies to detect and exterminate rat populations. That was in the release that came down 
yesterday. Uh, it's going to cover uh, most of the northern half of Manhattan, where $3.5 million will be spent to improve and increase inspections, use equipment such as rat bait and traps, and harden the floors at some public housing to prevent rat burrowing. Uh, the mayor, Eric Adams, said... Uh, the rats are going to hate Kathy, but we're excited <laughs> to have her leading this important effort. <laughs> so there it is. Rats, be warned. Kathy's coming after you. All right. Second hour of Life the Towers coming up. Gene Watson, Assistant General Manager of the Kansas City Royals, joins us next. We'll continue with Life the Tower on the horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. <laughs> 